Hey, potential podcast listeners. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Potential. That's BetterHelp.com Potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. I'm joined by my adventurous... Uh, sidekick along for the travels, along for the journey of life, Chris Dewar. Uh, you cheat, th- Dr. Sokol. You cheat. <laughs> friend, of, friend of Taylor, come on. <laughs> oh, man. It's um, it's so exciting to, you know, we're getting in this month of uh, June, man, and my uh, birthday is right around the corner, which is exciting. It so. is. It is indeed, which is always exciting, you know, and thinking of last year, Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, your birthday was only a few months really into the strength of the pandemic. So you were kind of, you know, you had some plans that had to fall through and, but now it's more exciting that you can actually try to, you know, actually celebrate it, uh, which is always exciting. So yes, yeah. we've got the birthday coming up and we'll, we'll do a little shout out. Uh, For sure. You know, 
but speaking about celebrating stuff um you know what's you know what's this is this is a big one yeah this is huge this is really exciting because uh just recently the, by the time this episode airs we just a few um, days ago a few days ago yeah theatrical release yep celebrating the theatrical release of raiders of the lost ark 1981 of june 12th oh my gosh can't believe you know it's been over 40 years 40 years now and yeah. uh, we thought you know this is one of our most uh, we we like a lot of stuff if you didn't couldn't tell the podcast but uh, isn't this one of our f- mutually favorite franchises um in terms of you know films and uh especially... oh, it's gotta it's gotta be top 10 uh you know if you think of your top 10 franchises mm-hmm. um this this is up there because it's just a uh, such an entertaining character and set of films and storytelling and something that really hasn't been duplicated, I would say, no. um, overall is Indiana Jones. It's just, it's like, it's its own unique thing. And of course, a lot has to do with the combination of the creators and star himself, the one and only Harrison Ford. But wow, 40 years. That's pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Um so, you know, there's a lot to talk about because we got, you know, a couple films here. And then this is literally launched into a huge franchise with so much going on to it. But I want to kind of start at the beginning, Taylor, in terms of, you know, I would say Nina Jones for a lot of kids. When we, when we were kids, this is the VHS era uh, where you're going to get Indiana Jones. You know, this is one something that was re-released in theaters and all that stuff. Um, what was your kind of introduction to Indiana Jones? What was the first time you saw uh any of the films and which one was the first one you saw because i definitely saw them out of order uh well yeah i saw i had seen all of the original three vhs but the first time i was introduced was in the chrono chronological order of the actual story i was first introduced to the temple of doom um because when i used to hang out my grand grandmothers we did these wednesday night dinners and she had no she had a very limited selection. She had Goof Troop, A Fish Called Wanda, which is inappropriate for a kid at the time. Uh, she had Aladdin, and she had Temple of Doom. So there was very limited choices, and we watched the crap out of that movie every every Wednesday. And so I, I know that one very well, and that was, that was my intro to the series. And I fell in love with it from that one on, which, of course, if you look at the original three, that's always not the most favorite but that's how i got into the story and then my grandfather not too long after got me the box set of all three and him him and i we went and watched him in order and i know i've watched him probably many times with him um before he passed away years later um we've been gone a long time not 15 years but we um we really got into that story and it was something about it was something that i hold near and dear because of my family and so my grandparents really introduced it to me. What was, what was your first movie you saw and, and how did, how did you kind of get yourself acquainted with Indy? Well, I knew there was a reason why we were really good friends, you know, best friends here is because I also watched Temple of Doom first of the three. <laughs> All right. And the way I watched it for those listening who uh, don't really remember the ways of VHS, um, you could use VHS tapes to tape things that came on TV. Uh-huh. You know, you put in the VHS player and you would set it up and whatever would be on the screen, you could actually tape it. So we had a taped version of Temple of Doom. And you had the commercials as well? Maybe like it was, it might've been like TNT or something at the uh-huh, time yeah, yeah. or TBS at the time or something. So yeah, so there was still commercials. 
Um, we, we had that also with Jurassic Park. I, I definitely remember. And it was Jurassic Park like near Christmas time. But, but <laughs> so I had I had Temple of Doom, but it was via this this VHS tape. And yeah, but I watched that all the time. And that's the first one I saw. And so uh, really, if you look at the three films, I mean, there's a lot of elements that are pretty terrifying for kids to get into because there is a lot of these like uh, obviously religious tones. A lot of it has to do with these, you know, zealots and religious uh, different groups and these, you know, these uh, archaeological places that Indy goes to. And there's a lot of booby traps, yeah, a lot of like weird fraught. I tell you, with danger. I mean, you look at Temple of Doom. You're, you're watching it as like a, I don't know. First time I saw, it must have been like you know younger than ten. I want to say, and you're seeing a man literally pull a guy's heart out of his chest. Well, even uh, the, in the <laughs> beginning, when they when Indy like is poisoned, he takes uh -huh. a flaming shish kebab and yeah. <laughs> spears a guy. Yeah, <laughs> like oh my and goodness. So they're, they're... I just remember the, the being those kind of moments, and you know, I'll, I'll never forget. <laughs> like it's it's it's. It's like set in my brain that, you know, like, like, you know, all that no, stuff. And everyone's like chanting. Which we'll, like... we'll get to, uh, yeah, yeah. we'll get to Williams, who of course is another brilliant part of the Indiana Jones. But yeah. my grandparents had a VHS copy, um, actually bought VHS copy of Raiders mm -hmm. of the Lost Ark. And okay. then eventually I would have been able to rent uh the last crusade from like the library i think is how i got to watch the third okay. film so you know it's just funny thinking nowadays you know you can watch all these movies at a, a, a touch of the button but it really was like it wasn't like automatic that i watched them all uh no no like, this is know, again a time it was when, all spread apart yeah it was, it was again a time apart. that you know you would be lucky if it was it was a special mm -hmm. event where like oh indiana jones the movies are going to be on tv yeah, yeah. like that was cool and then it's like if you really wanted it like you better record it and like uh, it's like um cousin eddie messed with the thing and like oh well we got part of the super bowl thanks a lot you know uh so so yeah um but i never got that experience seeing him in the theater and I, I can't imagine what that was like but even just watching on that small screen was just so incredible the only time i've seen the only time i've seen any of them via actually in a theater um was one time in dubai uh -huh. i went and saw raiders of the lost ark at like the opera house and what they did is you know they had the movie on the big screen oh, okay and then they had a live orchestra that did all the orchestration so that was the only time i've actually seen them via some kind of of course uh apart from uh the fourth movie which we'll talk about later but um you know we've, we've had a fair amount the last year with the pandemic of some movies being re-released um but you know i didn't we had star wars and back to the future and stuff like that but i didn't see indiana jones anywhere but mm -hmm. if i had I probably would have jumped to the occasion because uh, these are fun to always revisit. But looking at the three movies themselves, you know, I think the fun thing about this series is, you know, you can't call it a trilogy. It's not really a trilogy because the movies don't really have a connective tissue plot wise. Well, they, don't, some they, don't, really, that kind they of, don't really impact each each other that no. much. Like, not one in, ends, the same. Yeah. I mean, even with one, the first, yeah. even with the second one, where in the timeline of the series, you know, you have a little bit more of a gristled, a little bit more mm. um, skeptical Indiana Jones. And then as, you know, the other movies kind of go with, he's a little bit more world weary. He little, he's a little bit more open-minded, I would yeah. say, but he's not like, you know, uh, you know, a changed man or anything like that. And there's not, at least for the first three, there's not like, you know, a follow-up. Of course we get some of the characters like Sala and Marcus Brody. Um, but other than that, yeah, that's not like, um, 
in the spirit of maybe Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, where it, it is like a story you're following. And I think that was the great, the beauty of it, that what Spielberg wanted to do was his kind of version of James Bond. And, mm-hmm. you know, just like the James Bond movies, with the exception of the new Daniel Craig films, all the other James Bond, for the most part, are standalone. They're just, that's the adventure. Yes. And it's that serialized where like, oh, he rides off the sunset and you have that music. So I think that was the cool thing about it is even if you had saw them out of order, you could still appreciate it didn't each one. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's what's great about it. You don't need any backstory of the character. No. You're just like, okay, we get it. He's an adventurer. He's not a superhuman. He does get hurt. <laughs> Everyone, he gets the crap beat <laughs> yeah. out of him. Uh, and then sometimes he fights people that are a little bit bigger than him. It's like, you know, Michael J. Fox when Biff's always standing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, that was a cool idea. I, yeah, I like this idea that they came up with. And, of course, this is the brilliance between George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. You know, good friends that went to college together. And, you know, think of all the movies that have come out from those two guys. And this is one of their great joint ventures. And, yeah, this idea of this professor that, um, you know, almost has this uh, – this kind of like secret backs, you know, whole like other job. His alter ego. His, his alter ego, kind of like a superhero where he goes off and, you know, for all good purposes, like, you know, he's never in it for the money. He's not in it for uh, the glory, if you will. He's in it to like preserve artifacts. And, you know, at times he's kind of like- That a belongs savior. in a museum. <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of neat that you kind of see through the films how- a lot of this was put onto him by his father, which of course is why uh, a lot of people really love The Last Crusade when the addition of the late, great Sean Connery. But you kind of get a lot of sense that it, it's not like it's a, a burden for him, but he has almost this desire to, he will go to the nth degree to try to get some of the stuff done. And it's it's almost like a, a, a thrill for him. And of course, what makes it a lot of humor and why it's funny is because he does continually get stuck in these sticky situations whether it be nazis or you know these zealots or other just crazy people but he is kind of like that james bond where like somehow he almost he always gets out of it whether it's a a fist fight a gunfight a chase whatever and it, it it gets to a lot of fun action which is why i think it was a good mix of uh there's humor there's adventure there's mystery and then there's like a lot of great action in these and like and and gripping stuff you know overall no, and think about the timeline when these came out you know this coming out this is the peak movies of the 80s you know 81 mm-hmm. 84 and 89 the effects in these films still hold up pretty well and even like some of the practical effects which is kind of like cool we have like um you know a guy gets stuck by a booby trap you know things of that nature mm-hmm. so i think that that is the really cool thing about it but they are edge of your seat action there is like some calm moments, but literally it's like, it keeps going and you're like, you're on the edge of your seat almost. Um, and you know, fun fact about this series, of course, we've got Harrison Ford is the face of Indiana Jones. And I think that's going to be a tough thing. I can't, you know, when you think Indiana Jones, you think Harrison Ford. Yeah. You can't see anyone else doing it, but him. No, oh, but yeah. for a lot of people, but not, he was not the original not the first choice. choice. No, he was not. Um, which yeah. is, I don't know if everyone knows this. I didn't know this until like years later when they came on DVD. And I watched the documentaries. Yeah, the behind I was, the scenes. Yeah, I was blown away that Tom Selleck, uh, the man, the mustache, the legend, uh, he was the original choice uh, for this. And of course, there's like you can see screen tests with him and and all this. But then of course he booked uh, Magnum PI, 
mm-hmm. and uh, didn't really didn't work out. But I think things happen for a reason because, again, he does have that he does have that good ruggish and roguish charm, if you will. Oh yeah, uh, and definitely a ladies' man in his own right for sure. Um, a little bit more maybe than Harrison Ford, but I I, I don't know, but. He was a little bit more brawny, you know. I mean, he looked like the brawny guy from. The, he did from the look like the brawny guy, <laughs> and you, I could see why they were maybe a bit um, reserved at first to want to even look at Harrison because he'd already been successfully known now as Han Solo, and you know, this was a kind of a time and age where, and nowadays we're we're kind of used to sometimes people being multiple leads in multiple franchises. This was kind of a time and age where they're like, no, that's kind of his thing already. So we don't want to put him in this yeah, as you, well. They would never think to like have, you know, cross, you know, franchises. Because it mean, was think- like you you have your your star to sell this property. We can't then confuse people and put them over here. But naturally, you know, it worked out the way it did. And it's yeah, one of those cases where you go, I can never see anyone but Harrison Ford playing this part. And also thinking, you know, with George Lucas helming, you know, both projects, Star Wars and this, it was just, you know, it, it was a great thing that he was with Spielberg from the beginning because he's like, well, what about Harrison? You know, and they're like, and I don't know. And it just. Well, it's also, it's, it's yeah. such a different character. That's, I think, you know. To, yes, to Han Solo. Yeah, Han Solo. There's more, some yeah. smug moments sometimes with, with Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones, but like, it's such a different type of character which of course shows the fact that yes, he is an actor and he can play a part uh, that's different. But I think it was, there's something too about, you know, Han Solo is not the lead of the Star Wars franchise. He's a strong supporting character. This is really where he gets to shine is that leading man. And there's a, there's a bit of a more smart and a little more wit, uh, a little more educated to his whole uh, career and how he handles himself. And it's also a completely different time period. You know, Star Wars is yes, a galaxy far, far away. A long, long time ago, we don't really know, you know, what it's supposed to resemble in terms of our day and age. Mm-hmm. But this is like, all right, this is like the '40s. This is like, you know, we're we're kind of looking at a time period of where they're supposed to be set, and uh, so it's a I think little, it's, it's like, a little more grounded, and it's a little bit more accessible mm-hmm, yeah. because, especially if you think about, yeah, the time period, also the villains. You know, we can get behind the Nazis, you know, um, and uh, kind of funny the parallels though. Uh, Star Wars, the stormtroopers. Uh, kind mm-hmm. of you know parroting that as well, so a little bit out there, but you know you know and me. Everyone hates Nazis, so yes. of course we're like so we can hey, get behind that. Yeah, we're gonna you know. take down Nazis in two of these movies. We're gonna love it. So let's kind of just go briefly into you know the the basic you know plots of these movies. Um, so I guess first off, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark here, forty years. Uh, interesting though to think that this film is called Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's not Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So you know, for some people, if they don't know that, but uh, I mean, you can't you can't get off some of the most iconic things that are, are represented in the Indiana Jones, especially. Uh, you know, of course, we have the big rolling boulder uh, that chases him in that movie, and then uh, this is the movie where we get the iconic, you know, snakes. What it have to be snakes? You know, a lot of these great moments, and you know, you're talking about practical effects. I mean, gosh, looking at uh, when they finally do get the Ark of Covenant at the end, all those effects of of the, the the guys that all uh, get their up cup and I mean, they, you know, die in very hideous, gross ways, melting faces, faces exploding, faces on fire. A lot of that was really practically done and it's just like fantastic. But this plot though of, of the Nazis wanting this ultimate weapon to like boost up their armies and, you know, thinking, well, 
we can't repeat mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to think that what, what can we get that would maybe uh, effectively give us a full victory in this war? So this idea of this kind of like, well, maybe they'll go to the occult and religious relics. And it's based on based on some history facts there that Hitler was trying to, he was into the occult and he was looking at all. He was looking for all these kind of things, which is why we've also seen some of this play out in like the MCU. You know, we had, you know, moments of that where you kind of see, Mm -hmm. oh, he was looking for things and then, you know, that whole kind of plot goes Yeah, off. Red Skull's like, Red Skull. uh, in the Fuhr looks for trinkets in the desert. Which, of course, I love that thinking like, that's what they did in Anna Jones, you know, because yeah. it's like, it, exactly. it makes sense. So, but yeah, a, a well, really well done first film um, with some of the most iconic things. And of course, you got to love, um, what's her name that plays the girl? Karen Allen. Uh, Karen Allen, who, you know, we'll get back later. Um, I I love that she's she's not really the damsel in distress no she can hold her own i mean when she, fir- when she first meets indiana jones again you see this history she slugs mm-hmm. him and it's yeah. like and apparently in the, in the behind the scenes she actually like she gave, she him, gave a good him a good one. punch yeah <laughs> but yeah she's definitely this is um changing the whole trope right away mm-hmm. with this movie you're like oh it's gonna be he's gonna rescue her it's like no she kind of holds her own in this film and john reese davies here is sala which i mean how can you not love that character? I he's mean, so like, lovable, and it's like this guy's like he's like a little big brother uh, to yeah. Indy. And you know what's so funny too? I think of that like if this is eighty one, this film coming out, that means that it's almost twenty years before Lord of the Rings comes out, and like it seems like a whole different era of filmmaking for him to play Gimli in that, and yet here he is, these two characters in these two franchises, like just it's he plays crazy. a great, great supporting sidekick for sure. And now I have to bring this up because it just made me laugh so hard the first time I uh, read this. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So <laughs> Paul Freeman, who plays Belloc, who, yeah. of course, is our main villain of this film, who's kind of mm-hmm. like the anti-Indiana Jones, who is yeah, helping yeah. the Nazis. Did you know that he's Ivan Ooze in the Power Rangers movie? Oh, my gosh. I did not know that. Whoa. You know. <laughs> I smell tea I know, it's like, they call me Ivan News. That's, That's the same actor. That's crazy. Because, again, there's something, I mean, 81, it's not like it's like 40 years ago. I mean, 40 years ago when the movie came out, but in terms of like movies of our youth that were like the early 90s. Well, that was only maybe only, about maybe about 10 years later. Yeah, 10 years yeah. later or so. And, you're, and I'm going, That's the same actor? It just seems like a completely, because something I think that Spielberg and Lucas did also very well is these films have to really be true to the time period that they're representing. So it's not only the fashion and the sets and everything, but there's just something about the way the films are kind of done. It really does feel like you're seeing this serial movie from, you know, the forties. So that was just a fun fact I had thrown there because. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it's, it's, but then it goes to what great casting these films did. And this film, you know, you've got, you've got some great, great characters and some, uh, some pretty scary. I mean, they definitely have some intimidating um, characters in here. If you think of, um, I think of the, the one of the little side Nazi characters with the little jacket, Major Arnold. Major Tut. Arnold Tutts. Yes, he was the Gestapo um, agent. And yeah, creepy. That whole point too, where he, um, you know, he comes in to interrogate Marion, and he has that. Um, you know, he tries to like burn her with the the stick from the fire. You know, be like. Yeah. Um, you will uh, give us 
information. You know, he's like very, very uh, mousy. And then like creepy. later on the scene where like he sees her again and he's like, he's like, hello, Fraulein. And then he like, yeah. all of a sudden he's got like this little device, like, oh, what is he going to do? And it's a hanger. <laughs> Just like the little, for <laughs> his jacket. Little, little jokes. And that, again, that's where that little, that playful humor would come in, which uh, happens quite a bit in these films. Um, and then of course he has the great Dan Holm, Elliot, who plays Marcus, who we get back um, later. So just, I think it's it's a very fun first film. There's a lot of great adventure in it and it sets up the character very well. And, you know, even that thing about snakes, like it's so funny to think that he, you kind of see him as a very tough guy that nothing really would scare him or anything, but he's afraid of snakes, which is not like a illegitimate fear to have for, you know. No, I mean, are, I think most people do, but I mean, most people aren't falling into a pit of snakes, which let's be, Ooh. some of the defying thing, which is fun fact about this, when he's in that little snake pit, there's a lot of animatronic of rubber snakes, but the cobra yes. is real. But if you but actually a, look close enough, there's a glass thing yeah, you right between. You just see the reflection. It, it's it's very minor, um, but of course they weren't going to put their big star literally face-to-face with a cobra that could literally any second bite him. But uh, that is a really cool scene, though, uh, when he falls and it's like right there and you're like, gosh. Know. And Salah's like, I told you everything you're right. I was like, uh, this is scary. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Very dangerous. You go <laughs> and first. Of, <laughs> and of course, though, talk about what, and this would set up all the other films, but that iconic opener with the boulder. And of course, that's been parried, parodied so many times. But oh, I just so love, times. I just love that opener because it's very intense and very mysterious. And of course, they had fun with the Paramount logo every time they would, you know, uh, change. I did like that. Yeah, that first they go to the mountain. But, you know, that movie is really about, okay, he's going off to try to stop this uh obviously the nazis and finding this you know and there's also a bit of him thinking i mean hey imagine finding the ark of the covenant and it led to that cool ending where you know the government has seized it and then they put it in that giant warehouse vault which has also been parodied in a lot of stuff what a great ending just to kind of leave you hanging there wait a minute has there been like multiple other things that are like the ark but clearly that was the ark they found because obviously it did its job yeah. But maybe there's been a bunch of other things and uh, a thing we'll see pop up again when we get to uh, the fourth film. But that was a really cool ending to be like, wait, what? Like, it, you know, you think maybe Area 51 is just some warehouse where there's all these relics being hidden somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, yeah um, exactly. But the difference to go to Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom wasn't so much, um, you know, the main plot of him, like trying to go find something to put into a museum. It was really cool that it was really about him going to save the children of this village that had all been kidnapped and get back their religious stone that was kind of like well, their it, sacred, you know. And you have a you have um, a kind of a younger Indiana Jones in the timeline, mm-hmm. but you know at the beginning he is kind of in it for the glory, yes. you know, in the very beginning of the film, which. I thought it was so, it definitely is such a drastic difference between the first and the second one. Of course, you have an opening musical number. A like huge musical Bond, number. Which uh-huh. I still love that. I remember as a kid, oh, like, Ivan yeah. Zulu, I don't even know Chinese, but I'm doing the song. I would always, like, sing along. And, um, we could, of course, we get a drastically different leading lady. Um, yeah, Kate like, Capshaw playing Kate Willie. Kate she, she plays it so well. She hams up that screen, though. Oh, yeah, which, which Spielberg uh, did marry. Yeah. <laughs> Which a Family Guy does a great parody of. Later. Oh yes, they do. <laughs> but a hugely different uh, female co-star, where um, she is the damsel in distress, and she is the damsel in distress. Uh, also, a very full of herself damsel in distress, who's very concerned with her look, 
her well-being. The damsel diva, who's definitely not meant to be in this film. Yeah. The, the condition of her rooms, the condition of her food, condition of her travel. And it was really funny to see the kind of sexual tension between her and Indiana. And then as they went along, you know, there was moments where she did kind of step up to the plate and actually, you know, do a few things. But um, a great character there. And then, of course, you have uh, Kihui Kwan, who plays Short Round. I mean, a great, just think of that, thinking of the journey that he is someone that would have gone around the world and seen different people and him having this kind of like funny sidekick of this young kid who uh, uh, goes on the journey with him. Mm -hmm. And um, of course we know him from the Goonies and other projects, but uh, you know, great first round for short round. Um, But I like this, you know, again, I think you and I hold it a little more close in our heart than the others just because it's the first one we saw, but mm-hmm. it's very dark. I mean, there's, there was dark moments from Raiders of the Lost Ark, but this one is the darkest of the three, I would say, just because of uh, this whole idea of this cult that has taken these children. And Yeah, there's this, this child slavery and there's this black magic and the human sacrifice. I mean, you like, yeah. and even just like, it's still iconic and... Like even like when they're eating at the pl- the palace when they get to this palace, monkey chill monkey brains uh, monkey brains and then like uh, what you're not eating I had and then the one. snake and like you know she and gets then the, the big do you have anything simple like soup and it's eyeballs <laughs> the oh eyeball gosh soup. and it's it's a bit of like because of the style of movie being again a little bit like it's an adventure movie with a bit of fantasy in it you know a it's a bit horror. of that a little yeah. horror. Um, that those playful moments where kind of you're like, okay, they're not trying to say that like people in India are doing this, but like to kind of put you into the mode of you're in for something weirder and darker. That was actually, I think a great scene to set up that like, there's something eerie and dark hidden beneath the glamor of this palace because you know, you, they go into the palace of Bangkok and it's like, you know, very, (laughs) it's very glamorous. And, you know, it looks like you would think this like kind of like Taj Mahal looking place. But thinking that underneath that Holding is this that whole dark, secret. dark, giant inner mountain caverns with a lot of stuff going on. It's yeah. just, it was very eerie, the whole well, movie. And, and that was, I think that, that goes into also, I think Spielberg and, and Lucas, they both um, didn't want to do the Nazis again. We like, let's, no. let's mix it up. And I think, mm-hmm. and that was smart because it does, you know, again, change it up because it's like the Nazis can't be the villains every time. It's like, they'd be like, okay, we're going to kill this Dr. Jones. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I just, I it's really set up really well in the terms of the very beginning. It's very glamorous. You, it's a little, it's a little, um, kind of goofy. I mean, the fight scene's going with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets away. Oh, never mind. You know, you can't get too far. And then, they happen upon this village and then he's got to help these people. And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to get these rocks and I don't really believe in this stuff. He's the skeptic really. And so, yeah, it just, it was very, very grotesque a little bit more in this one with the creature effect. you got the weird, creepy dinner. You've got the bugs that they have to like, but, um, and then you see this, this cultish thing where they're ripping out this guy's heart and it's like, Oh my gosh. And then, this whole part where they 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 make Indy drink that blood, and then he's like kind of like, whoa, he's become you know? like a, a mind slave to them. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. he's bad. So that was that was a lot of cool concepts that made it very, uh, definitely darker. And you know, gotta give a shout out here to Amrish Puri. I hope I'm saying that right. Who plays Mola Ram? Because oh. I mean, iconic bad guy in this. Uh, very creepy. Uh, there's such a, a like you know stance about him, the way he looks, and especially when he has that 
thing on him and then the way it plays out through the whole movie he, he's like this he's like this weasel that you just you you're waiting for like you're like where's the scene where Indiana Jones gets to punch him and like it never really comes but he definitely gets a great um, death at the end and I think what's cool is as the movie went along you open this huge caverns and this huge underground kind of temple thing going on the temple of doom uh aptly named and then getting into like the mine cart situation and then going to like on the bridge it was such like an epic um you know i think obviously raiders had a lot of epic moments in it but they were like we got to go bigger here and also you know really thinking that this movie is a game changer in hollywood this was the first movie to be rated pg-13 and yes. it wasn't it wasn't you know there was obviously they're like there's some stuff in this, as we've mentioned, the heart and all the crap that goes on in this movie. It's a little too much for PG. But again, because there's not really sex, there's not a lot of cursing. It's violent, but it's not like super bloody. They were like, it's not quite rated R. So they actually created a new rating system of PG-13, which is kind of neat to think that this is like, you know. Well, it was this, this it was this in Gremlins around the same time that kind of like sparked that. And I think that, you know, it was kind of funny because Gremlins is like, Little, 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 uh, you know, it sounds like it's going to be a cute movie. Like, no, this is not. And I mean, no, Gremlins, I mean, Gremlins is creepy cute, but I wouldn't necessarily think it needed to be rated PG 13. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, this movie definitely was a game changer. And I think they, they knew that they wanted to go, um, very epic with it to make it more of that adventure, especially because, again, this isn't a movie where he's trying to find something to put it back in a museum. It's not really for his own gain. He's doing it to to save this village and these children. And uh, of course it pays off in the end, uh, which is, uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> I'll always love this film. It's a lot of fun. I don't know why it gets uh, some of the bag that it does from people, uh, you know, these three saying it's like the least one. I'm like, I'm like, I can't really judge any of them to be a least favorite. They're all just no, great. No, we like them for different reasons. And I got to go also that scene where they're on that bridge. And I love, like, he's cornered, literally. And he's like, oh, shit. And I just love, <laughs> he's like, gets, he's like, yeah. he's like, and he's like, let's tie on. I was like, Molaram, prepare to meet Kali in hell. And he's like, and he's like, everyone hang on for dear in life. In hell. I know, and I love when he's, then they've got the rock. And it was cool because the ending, he doesn't get, he, he doesn't get, um, I mean, even in the beginning, the last movie, there you see this kind of trend in these movies. He doesn't get like the artifact, um, you know, to profit off it or something like that. You know, the Ark gets sent away. He gets only one stone. He's able to return it to that village. And he even says at the end, oh, it would have been put in a museum anyway. You know, so I think that's kind of interesting where each story, he little, like, he kind of learns a little bit something. He doesn't really, it's not like he's getting rich or anything off it. I mean, he's. He's not really like living the high life. I mean, he's just a professor. He's not really getting paid much for this adventuring. <laughs> he also doesn't like, I kind of think of the, a thing that works really well is in the three films, he's never the one that actually like kills one of the bad guys. Like no. uh, there's always this kind of moment of greed uh, that kind of sets off the villain's demise. Obviously the opening the arc and he's like, don't look at it kills all the, you know, the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And this one, it's kind of an idea of, again, that greed and scene you know, karma in a way of obviously, yes, they're on the bridge and he's trying to kick him off because Mola Ramp's hanging on to him. But then it's grabbing the actual rock and you're seeing this journey from the beginning of the movie to this point where he's kind of become a believer and the rock actually is like, it's like burning, you know? I would say this movie, 
and Last Crusade, which we're about to talk in a second, he does have the most growth in those two films. Uh, and, and in terms of uh, his beliefs and maybe also his his relationships, so I, I think that is that's why I'm, I'm I would think that Tumble Doom gets a little, should get more a little love than it, it does, but yeah, I mean again we we both you know this is our first foray into the film series. You got we got to give a shout out. Yeah, moving on to to uh, the Last Crusade. This is one a lot of people uh, find as their their favorite, just for uh, personal reasons. Uh, this one has the most heart, I would say, of the three. Um, and of course, again, the addition of Sean Connery was just a brilliant casting decision to have, uh, we're, we're getting to see a little bit more of the backstory of uh, how Indiana Jones kind of became Indiana Jones. And, uh, you know, when we were all kids, we got to go outside and play soccer and baseball, uh, not poor Indy. Uh, he was stuck at home learning Greek and Latin and all that stuff, you know, which obviously paid off well for his uh, future endeavors. But yeah, of course he went on the advanced boy scouts uh, yeah. <laughs> where they uh, trade from the path, which, uh, you know, a little shout out to uh, the late great river Phoenix who mm, plays uh, young Indian Jones in the first part of this movie, which I thought that was a really cool start to this film. Uh, you know, we're kind of getting again, that sense of what was Indiana like as a teenager, what was he like as a kid? And, you know, even then he had this uh, he had this courage about him to do what he thought was best when it came to preserving things that should be preserved. You know, he sees a group of kind of like, uh, if you will, kind of uh, robbers, thieves, if you will, trying to benefit. Yeah, yeah, Grave robbers are looking to to get some money. I mean, like, you know, this is before Renee Belloc and all these. So yeah, he, he does have that sense of justice. He's like, Oh, I'll I'll steal it from them. And he kind of Spider-Man's his way into taking this cross. And then, you know, he's like, oh, I got it. I, he gets it in this whole cool uh, trying to escape from them on this train, the circus train. It's a great action sequence. And how about this? They have this prequel, like this little, you know, backstory. They're able to explain three things here. One, his fear of snakes, how he got the scar on his chin, and how he gets the hat. I mean, how that was brilliant. They were able to do all that in the matter of, you know, the first 15 minutes of the movie. That's Spielberg, baby. I know. That's Spielberg. <laughs> but That's Spielberg and Lucas, baby. It's so great. And it does set up a little bit enough of the tone of the dad that you don't have to go deep into the story of his estranged relationship with his father. Because I think that maybe not everyone has a same relationship with a parent, but maybe a, a strange relationship with um, a family member or something. And I think mm-hmm. that that's so relatable. And it, this movie of all the films made him the most humanized. Yeah. And you could tell that as we get further into the movie, especially when he gets to reunite with his dad, there's moments where we see the kind of stuff like, where you can tell that he probably had a deep love for his mother that he didn't really think he got from his father. And he's like, you know, mom would have known or mom would have cared. You know, he had, he's kind of had these moments where you kind of tell that there was- There's such a beautiful scene, like when they're on the um, the blimp. And I remember it was like, remember the last time we were together uh, like this, we had a milkshake and he's like, what do we talk about? Nothing, we never talked. And I just, it's just that, that little, that scene, there's not a lot of those, but just some of those brief moments. And it goes to show, you know, you think of his career as, yeah, he's a professor of archeology. span And then obviously he has all these adventures but there is a bit of a craze, like he he's willing to do all these things. Well, he got that from his father because his father, although he had a family and had a son, he was always set on trying obsessed. to find the grail. Obsessed, obsessed to the yeah. point he spent his whole life. And even at the point of you know, reuniting, 
he's still on that journey. And so I think it's kind of neat that, yeah, they, they showed that father relationship and Sean Connery for a man who is known as Bond and known as this kind of tough guy in a lot of movies and, you know, him being what that symbol was pre Harrison Ford for this to have him be more of the goofier plus <laughs> yeah, the, like father, the goofy nerdy yeah, kind of dorky dad. Nerdy. I mean, it's just like, it's, you know, we talked about it and we, uh, did a little tribute to Sean Connery after he passed. You know, he's, he's known for so many different types of roles, but this is one of his most iconic because it's such a different from his usual type. Um, so, of course, that was great. And then, you know, this film, we do get back to the Nazis. The Nazis are back in town. And, uh, of course, if, um, if the, the Ark did not bode well, well, there's always the Grail. Uh, which all I ever think about when I think of the grail is Monty Python. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, that has been a long myth of this cup that uh, Jesus drank from and the fact that if you were to find it and drink holy water, you would get eternal life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which, you know, for a lot of people that are especially uh, evil, uh, that's what they want. They want to live forever so that they can just rule the world and do all that stuff. So I thought it was neat that they had this character of Walter played by Julian Glover, who, of course, we know from Star Wars. And, of course, Game of Thrones. Yes, Game of Thrones, which, I mean, gosh, that's just right there. You're watching Game of Thrones going, that guy that plays the Meister, he was the, the bad guy. In the, you know, it's like... I know, it and General, like General Veers, General Veers. He's like such man, yeah. a different time period. But oh, absolutely. I like that he kind of, you know, the typical, which you see in a lot of, like, spy movies, the guy that chums up to the guy, sells him on, you It's know, a great, yeah, great twist. And then he ends up being the bad guy and he's actually working with the Nazis. You're like, ah, damn, this guy who I thought was trusting, but it plays well into, I love like that whole sequence in Venice is really beautiful. And we, we, and we get a different leading lady, which uh, she turns out to be either. Yeah. Oh, Alison Duty who plays Elsa Schneider, Dr. Schneider, uh, who, first of all, gorgeous and you know tough as nails and then she ends up being the bad guy in this and of course mm-hmm. great comedy where she hooks up with both father and son you know ships passing yes. the night and just, <laughs> not, just this film has the best comedy of any of the mm-hmm. films like you are like you're gonna be laughing a lot of the times like out loud like this is great oh yeah especially just between sean connery and harrison ford there's there's so much tension and as you know he's so used to being junior don't call me junior. He gets so pissed off. It's so funny. But this movie really, it's epic in scale in that, you know, they have this whole Venice sequence and then, you know, then all of a sudden they're in Germany. And, you know, I like if there's a really, really funny moment, again, another <laughs> crossover of Star Wars and uh, Indiana Jones. Um, when <laughs> I just love the moment where, you know, this whole movie is about trying to get Sean Connery's journal back because that has all his notes from years of studying about where the grail is. And of course, at some point, Harrison Ford <laughs> ends up at this huge, uh, you know, big book, book burning, burning situation yeah. of the Nazis. And Hitler himself is there, who, if you don't know that actor, he was one of the generals that gets choked by Vader in uh, Star Wars. And <laughs> yeah. Hitler looks at him and he just takes the book. And he just grabs it, signs it, <laughs> gives it back, and keeps going. And it's such a funny, just one of those. And, great yeah, I love Harrison moments. Ford's expression as Indy, just yeah. like, oh, oh gonna... my god, because you got to think like I could have almost just handed over all the notes on the Grail to the leader of the Nazis. So had, had Hitler realized that, uh, the movie would have been yeah. over. Uh, 
so but yeah. great great humor and then it leads into of course we have this great whole sequence kind of back in the desert where we get to reunite with sala and this it was kind of like you know if that time they were thinking this is our last movie i think it was smart they're like we're, we're gonna have you know uh sala back we've got marcus back so they were like we're gonna have a few characters back that kind of make like this team of heroes to kind of go and try to you know actually go and find the grill and this mm -hmm. whole last chap this whole last sequence of them actually going and uh you know the brilliant kind of idea of again you talking about that indiana jones has kind of had this kind of back and forth of what he believes in and what he doesn't believe in and then the fact that his dad gets shot and you know he's like crap i actually have to do this and so him kind of testing his own faith and beliefs to do to save his father i thought was a really smart plot point and some of those tests are very you know intense and like especially the blades and you know and then the whole hopping on the you have to hop on the right step uh, the yeah. stones mm -hmm. or you fall through Word and then of course the 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 bridge where you have to leave a faith leave, you know so that, it was cool and then you get to meet this uh this old knight uh which was really interesting uh who's survived and you know the famous you must choose wisely yeah uh and that that right there is if there's one of the top 10 creepy moments in terms of Indiana Jones uh when Walter picks the wrong cup and then he ages instantly to death and like his whole body crashes against the thing and like you're like holy crap All right, like, we're not drinking that cup yeah so <laughs> he won't be uh, in any four um and, and, and again with the ending I mean the, the title is aptly named the last crusade because of course they're thinking oh we're gonna end it here mm -hmm. and you know that little right off from the sunset is just a great ending um to that film again if that was the first movie you ever saw or or the last of the three you know it's it's great but of course we know that that would not be the end of indy's journeys so let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about Indiana jones uh the other film future film and god there's so much more to talk about so um we'll be right back all right, George, we got a great script here. Everything's amazing. Characters, fast paces, it's great. You know, fast action, very frenetic drama. You know, we got this great lead character. We just need a name for him. Something something iconic, something uh, memorable. Yeah, Stephen, uh, thinking first of all, his last name should be um, Jones. Jones, hmm. I like it. Well, uh, what's his first name? Hmm, uh, well, hmm. What about um, Illinois? Illinois? Illinois Jones. I don't know about that. Uh, what about this? How about this? Uh, Jacksonville Jones. Oh, well, I'm a fan of the alliteration, but it's too long. Uh, how about this? Um, Idaho Jones. Eh, I'm just not feeling it. It's not giving me that sense of adventure. How about Albuquerque? Um, hmm, well, uh, Vermont? Nah, Honolulu? Eh, uh, um, Nevada? No, 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 this just isn't working. None of these are the right fit. Why are we doing these cities and states in the U.S.? No clue. Thought that's what we were going for. Hmm. Uh, this is tough. Indiana. Indiana, down. Sit. Lay down, Indiana. Wait a minute. What did you just say? What's your dog's name again? Indiana. That's it. We've got it. By George, we've got it. Indiana Jones. All right, pal. 
Let's do it. Careful, Indy. Look, booby traps. Oh, I wish I was stuck in a booby trap. Yeah? What about you and Lucy? Well, um, how do I put this? Bad date. Hold on. Look at the wall there. Do you see it? Oh, yes, Indy. Okay, I lied. I really need contacts. Well, it looks like a doorway. Be careful, Dr. Jones. You don't know what's behind that door. Well, only one way to find out. Junior? Dad, what are you doing here? I shall be asking you the same thing. Oh, Henry, it's been a long, long time. My goodness, Marcus, Sala, and Data. Wrong movie, Dr. Jones. Look, Dad, we don't got time for chit-chat. We are here for the idol. Yes, the American idol. Follow me. I hope you aren't too late. Everyone quiet. Listen. Are you sure it's here? We've looked everywhere. Listen, Belloc, my sources are sound. The idol must be here. Uh, excuse me, gentlemen. Ah! Good God, man. Don't sneak up on us like that. Uh, my deepest apologies, uh, but sneaking is my speciality. Perhaps the idol is over there on that altar. Kalima! Kalima! Shakti de! Un Kalima! What in the hell is he saying? Shakti de! I don't know. I think it's some kind of Yiddish. Hello there, boys. Dr. Jones, of course. Well, you are too late. The idol will be ours. Dr. Jones, what do we do? I'm going to whip it. Ah, whip it good. What the hell is this? It's the dance. Very entertaining. We go first. We don't stand a chance. The idol is ours. All right, everyone. Let's get out of here. This way. Uh-huh. He's getting bolder. We'll meet again, Dr. Jones. Well, now what do we do? Ah, uh, how about... Mm, some dinner? Well, I could eat. How about sushi? That sounds delicious. He chose wisely. Good God! Will you stop with the sneaking? Welcome back. I want to say, let's start off right. Uh, let's talk real quick before we move on to the other properties in Indiana Jones. Let's talk about the ingredient that we wanted to talk about of the initial three films. It really is the... Uh, uh, the other element that makes these movies so iconic. And that's the other character. John Williams. John Williams, you know, is, uh, you know, one of Spielberg's muse, uh, one of Lucas's muse. I mean, of course, he's done music for so many famous franchises. And he's, of course, one of Hollywood's greatest composers. Uh, but he did the music for Indiana Jones. And just like Star Wars, he knocked it out of the park. Mm. Uh, that theme is just iconic as it comes. 
And there's a lot of great adventure music. Uh, you know, again, the character themes, so much he did for Anne Jones that he would continue to do in the other films. Uh, it's just brilliant. It really is. And I think it was something that, you know, there's a lot of Williams scores. If you kind of listen to certain things, obviously something sounds similar. You know, if you listen to all Star Wars and Anna Jones, there'd be moments that might sound similar, but I think there was a fun adventure tone in the films and kind of that, really that kind of, this is our hero. Dun, 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 dun. You know, you find like you're, you're riding off in the sun on this adventure. I'm going to go save the girl. I'm going to ride the, you know, the rope and all, all that stuff. I think he did such a great job, which is why it's still one of the best um, scores of all time for all three of those films. So, of course, we had to shout out to good old John Williams. But yes, uh, you know, we think that uh, the movies would be done. And, you know, nowadays we've been getting a lot more of this, like, oh, all of a sudden another film's coming out. But we, we did get this announcement, um, kind of like, you know, mid to, you know, 2005 or something like around that. It was like, oh, there's going to be a new Indiana Jones movie, the fourth movie. The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh, which came out in 2008. And uh, so, of course, it was going to be returned to the film and having Harrison Ford back in the character. And then, of course, we got some new people along the way. And um, so, you know, Taylor, this is the movie that most uh, indie fans just uh, don't care to remember for the most part. So you're uh, not my Indian. I always kind of view it as... Yeah, not my Indiana Jones. I kind of always view it as there's things I do like about this film, but then there's things that make no sense. And by that, I mean, yes, Indiana Jones has always had this kind of fantasy element where like he sometimes survives situations that might be a little like, wow, he just got that lucky. But there's like situations like in the very beginning of this movie where you're like, he would be 100% dead. There's no way he would survive that. And of course, we're talking about the refrigerator. Uh, that right there just is so dumb. But I do like the beginning of this movie in terms of how it played on the idea of, oh, this is the same warehouse where the Ark was put. It was a good and connection. What else, what else is in this? You know, what else has been keeping in here? And this is our first kind of Indiana Jones whole thing of, oh, we're kind of getting to the alien territory of Area 51. Yeah. And of course, you get a lot of humor as Indy is definitely a much older uh you know rougher yes. I, I love that scene where in the beginning where he's where he's bull whipping and he's like damn i thought that was closer <laughs> falls back but do you remember when that trailer came out and how excited you were and i think oh, that yeah. was but that was exciting for i think both of us that we this is our first indiana jones in theaters that we officially got to yeah see. there was that one key moment you know a lot of the, the the teaser trailer you didn't see his face or anything it was all these like images and stuff and then it was just that moment where the the hat was on the floor and he came up and picked it up and put it on. And it was like Indiana Jones. And it was like, I was like, because you think at this point, you've watched those movies so many times. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, we got to talk about, uh, you know, we'll talk about after this movie, talk about theme parks. I think we're, we've been so used to seeing also Indiana Jones within the theme parks from Disney. Yes. That it's not like it's been like out of our, it's not like all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's right. Indiana Jones. I remember that. It's like, no, we've been like, you know, just as we were excited to see the prequel series for Star Wars, like just after that got done, it was like, oh, now we're getting Indiana Jones again. Like, you're like, this is so cool. Um, and yeah, it's like there, there was, you know, the first three films all have to do with religious themes. It was like, you know, 
that's kind of the thing is uh, whatever the relic is, whatever the story is, it's about a religious thing. This is still a religious film, but for a lot of people, it immediately went to, oh, it's Indiana Jones and aliens, forget about it. Like, it, it makes no sense to me. I don't like it, which I can, I can understand. Well, what a, what, a, what a problem I think also about it was it was a big, big issue that a lot of fans did. And I can see this is there was a lot of use of overuse of CGI. Where the original ones had a lot yeah, more a ton of CGI. It was too much. Yeah, it was too much. This was like uh, super polished overall, and it didn't need to be. Because um, I think, like, I think overall the plot kind of makes sense to me. Like, it, it's it's a good plot. It's like you know, now we have this Russian chick because you know we're more near the Cold War. Yeah, uh, we're in that kind of B uh, B movie sci fi film of the fifties. So it's like, okay, we're getting to that. And we have, you know, Kate Blanchett here uh, playing Spalco, who's like our main villainess. And the whole thing is that she needs Dr. Jones to take her, you know, to kind of get her to find this hidden kind of like, uh, you know, I kind of took it like a Mayan Aztec kind of situation, civilization that worshipped um, these alien beings. And that this crystal skull is something that if you use it correctly, you would get like a supreme amount of intelligence. And, you know, of course, <laughs> the villains are always like trying to find ways to either become way smarter or live forever or be invincible or whatever the case might be. And so like, in terms of just like a journey and all that stuff, it made sense for that, uh, being that they're not actually trying to like go find aliens. They're trying to find these things that they think will maybe give them you know, super bright and all that crap. But it was kind of neat though. We had some return characters and we got some new characters. And this was kind of the spin of, okay, well, if he is more of that dad age, um, you know, we get back, uh, of course, Marion is back in this. And, you know, early in the film, he meets his character of Mutt, who's played by Shia LaBeouf. Uh, this tough guy who wants to be one of the, you know, the greasers with the hair and he's got the leather jacket. He's and- got a very good Marlon Brando vibe here, which is great. Yeah. And, um, you know, I liked him in the movie. I mean, he's not, like, terrible. And there was some great humor playing off the idea of they don't quite yet understand that his mom is Marion. Like, they don't make that connection until they literally run into Marion in, like, the jungle, which I thought that was really funny. But, you know, going this whole thing to, to they're trying to find about her dad and, like, how he went crazy. And, you know, he was into this whole uh, alien stuff and this whole religion and then eventually they meet in the jungle. It's like, what are you doing here? And it's like, dad? Or it's like, mom? Did you say mom? You know, I thought that was kind of funny that we get this reconnection. And obviously, it's not that Indiana was uh, keeping only one girl around. So uh, it's pretty uh, plausible that he would have had at least one son. I mean, not like he was using protection. Uh, yeah. So, you know. Um, <laughs> exactly. so I, thought it, I thought it was a funny plot point to have like, okay, this is his son. And him having to like, accept that and be like am i gonna be a father now uh but at this point with the continuation of the series uh i don't think we'll have to see shy anymore and uh that's the end of that but, but it had some good moments into it but i do agree there's so much cgi um and, and it was and like some, yeah some silly moments it, not it just took the fridge it to but... a little more ridiculous yeah, not just. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Shia LaBeouf was like, uh, you know, uh, Tarzan with these monkeys at one point. Like, what? what? Oh my gosh! Yeah, like <laughs> he, he's like on two. He's like standing on two cars, swashbuckling 
while it's going. And it, it was a bit like, I think why they went that route is just prior to this, the Pirates movies had been successful with this whole kind of like over-the-top action, right? Like the first Pirates wasn't like too crazy with things, but then obviously uh, when they got to Dead Man's Chest and they did uh, The World's End, like all that stuff, it was very like over-the-top action that didn't make a lot of sense. Like, you know, Jack would not have survived that stuff. And I think they saw that that worked. And so I thought they... I think there was something about a, we got to take this and kind of maybe play it up into that. That's what people are expecting now. That's kind of, it's kind of a lot of the movies of the early 2000s to early 2010s. were kind of like over the top situations. And yeah. Scenarios. We, they, let's, so, let's, let's push it to the brink, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the movie did okay. Uh, for a lot of people, it's not considered a fan fave. We do know that, yeah, we are getting a, a fifth movie, which I'm sure at this point will be, uh, Harrison's last, and if it's anything like um, his uh, solo uh, venture, I'm sure he'll be like, "Kill me, kill, kill, kill the character." He's yeah. probably like, "I only do it if you kill me." Um, but uh, <laughs> we do know some. Uh, we do know that um, as of now, uh, uh, John Reese Davies has expressed interest to return as Sala, but no confirmation of that. But uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge has been cast as a female character, and uh, Mads Mikkelsen, our favorite go-to bad guy, uh, and Thomas Kretschmann have also joined the cast. So, of course, no plot points at this point, uh, but they're shooting to have that out by, I believe, 2002. But that will not be directed by Steven Spielberg. It's going to be directed by James Mangold, who I'm okay with because... I think you and I are both agree uh, on we love Logan and yeah. he did really well with that. So I kind of wonder if maybe a fresh new eye will help this. I mean, obviously Spielberg is still going to be on as one of the producers, but I wonder if a fresh director will kind of reinvigorate for audiences today in the Indiana Jones movie. But of course, we'll be curious to check that out when and it I'm ho- yeah, uh, I'm, comes I'm, out. I'm- I'm hoping that they go to, you know, more practical effects because I feel like that you don't need the CGI, but I think oh, this, yeah. this could be uh, a little bit more gritty because again, we have an older, much older indie, And, uh, but I mean, Harrison Ford, man, is going to be kicking butt. I mean, he, he took great um, pride and effort to make sure he was in top notch shape for this. Yeah. He's an older guy, but he's, he still got it. So I mean, that was the cool thing. I mean, but you think back yep. to, when we had like Last Crusade and well into even Sean Connor's career, he still played these good leading action men um, for many years. So that'd be really exciting. Um, but, you know, we talked about this, about this franchise. It, it has transcended um, beyond the, the movies, movies. Yeah. beyond yes. the movies. Yeah. And I, I know uh, for me uh, personally, I didn't watch uh, religiously, but I did watch a few of the episodes of like, the Young Indiana Jones series with Sean Patrick Flannery. Actually, it was funny. We were talking about the VHS set. I got, mm-hmm. remember, my grandfather got it for me. Of the three, oh, wow. And it came with a bonus um, film. And it was Indian, Young Indiana Jones and the Treasure of the Peacock's Eye or something like that. So basically, that was like the, the backdoor pilot into the series. Oh. And I remember it was really, yeah, it was really, I remember just, well, I was like, oh, and it was great because, okay, this is kind of cool. And I, I do remember going back and watching it um when they had it like on Netflix, I went back and watched a few episodes. And actually, fun fact, 
uh, in like one of the last episodes of that series, Harrison Ford has like it makes an appearance where he's like telling a story. And, oh, um, that's kind of cool that he did yeah, that. Yeah, where like Indy was set like in New, or- New Orleans um, area, and he was like telling his tale. So that was kind of cool. But I also, I don't know if you know this, there was a series of books. Um, when the movies came out, there was these novelizations. And started with Bantam Books, and then McGregor, uh, McCoy, all these guys. They wrote all these books. And I actually, there's only one book I didn't watch, but I, I, I read, excuse me, but I read all these books. I was obsessed with the books. Um, Nerd alert. What'd you say? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah no it was kind of funny like that's how obsessed i was and of course um you you probably remember this think about some of the video games uh that had come out yeah. from indiana jones uh one of my favorite ones uh was the em- oh, well, emperor's the tomb of the emperor uh, tomb of the emperor yeah oh, was it was it the emperor's tomb or something like that emperor's new tomb emperor's new group <laughs> so like no that. it was no, the dragon the emperor. emperor's tomb it was the emperor's tomb yeah it yeah, had to right. do yeah, yeah. the yeah but that was so mm-hmm. fun. Um, and to think, though, Indiana Jones really inspired what? Of course, Uncharted. Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, and then, yep. Uncharted. And if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have had those games. And those really have been kind of the fill in your blank for this kind of, again, venture of the people that go off and raid temples and try to look for relics. And, um, you know, now we are, we are getting, um, you know, we've had plenty of Tomb Raider movies and we are getting a sequel to the most recent one, but we are getting an Uncharted movie but um yeah definitely has definitely inspired uh those franchises but i actually haven't played too many of the video games but i know the exciting thing is you know if you're looking at games like uncharted and tomb raider we haven't really had too many uh you know the last game that really came out that was indiana jones based was like 2011 so there hasn't really been a lot of new games we did we just know that there is a new video game in the works for indiana jones for this kind of new style of consoles. And I think if they do it in the style of like an Uncharted game, but you obviously have it as Indiana Jones and thinking what they can do with the lore and the characters, and especially, you know, he is someone that, yes, he does use a gun, but especially with the whip, now you can get around stuff. I feel like there could be a lot of exciting things that they could develop with a new set of Indiana Jones games. And of course, if they can get it to come out in time with uh, connecting to the movie, uh, will be really exciting. So, you know, there's been plenty of games, mostly for uh, uh, some of the old consoles and uh, PC, but I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do with uh, the new video game. But I have to bring up that the thing that I've connected to the most with Indiana Jones, apart from the movies themselves, is from theme parks. And we did talk about this uh, when we did our Disney uh, episode. So I That's was hoping right. you were going to talk about this. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if you look at Indiana Jones, uh, Indiana Jones and Star Wars, at least for Disney properties, were the first two big uh, movie properties to be incorporated into the parks. You know, nowadays we're really used to seeing like a whole land be designated to an IP. Uh, that was something that really kind of was a new trend. Once you had like Cars Land, you had Toy Story Land, we've had, you know, of course, the Harry Potter Wizarding World with Universal. And now we've had the Star Wars land with Disney, but Indiana Jones has had a, a presence in a couple of the parks. Uh, and so first you had the, uh, over in Hollywood Studios, uh, you've had the Epic Stunt Spectacular, uh, which opened in 1989. So it's been, it's been the oldest attraction of Indiana Jones, but I've seen it a few times. And I think you've also got to be a part of it, correct? <laughs> yes, I did. To, uh, about two years ago, I was uh, finally... Uh, 
uh, I was, yeah, I was the obsessed guest. Yeah. Oh, pick me. And all these, all these other people want to do it. But yeah, I was, I got to be in, in the show and I was running around as an extra. So that, that was like check life. I life think complete. it's a, it's a really cool concept because it's obviously it's closely more based on Raiders of the Lost Ark, but a cool thing where you get to have this huge stage and it's kind of like them showing you like there's moments in these kind of movies that stunt people do. And it's like, they do, they open a course with the boulder chase and like showing that. And they open this whole huge town center that's supposed to look like, you know, maybe Cairo or something. And I like that it really was like, we bring people up and they get to like be part of the movie magic. And it's still running to this day. And it's like a really fun, you know, sequence. And they have the whole, you know, the big brute guy finding Nana Jones next to the, the, uh, the plane, you know, before he of course would have been like, chopped up and there's, there's a lot of cool things for that that make it an exciting show and then there is a roller coaster called indiana jones et le temple du peril um obviously the temple of peril uh in disneyland paris and that's I, i've seen some video of it it's okay i think it's supposed to be a slightly take off of the uh minecart situation but it doesn't really have a lot to it that makes it uniquely Indiana Jones. It just kind of looks like a uh, uh, kind of broken down temple. It doesn't look like anything that's specifically. The ride that really, I think, is one of the best rides ever made and is, is extremely Indiana Jones is the Indiana Jones Adventure, which uh, has been at Disneyland since 1995. And then now there's also in Tokyo Disney Sea since 2001. If you've been to uh, Animal Kingdom, in Walt Disney World and have written Dinosaur, that ride system was based off the ride system from Indiana Jones. So that kind of big clunky car that has like 12 people in it yeah. and it kind of, you know, it kind of can go very fast and stop on a dime and it, it can kind of go up and down. Indiana Jones Adventure is, it's this temple of the forbidden eye. So first off, the whole outside of it and the whole line is like, you're going through different parts of this like, entrance to this temple and it's like you're going through like a cave with bats and you're going you know guano and like you know look at a temple of doom right the whole thing with the spikes there's a whole part of the ride where you go through the line and it's like actual spikes will come down every like minute or so yeah talk about immersive experience it's wow a very immersive line where you're like you really feel like you're in this dark deep temple and then the ride itself is this whole thing of uh you know they actually had john reese davies who recorded these lines uh as a video you see at one point, you know, before you kind of get to the main part, they actually get on the car says, uh, you know, welcome to the temple of the Buddha and I, uh, and it's like, whatever you do, don't look into the temple's eye, like this kind of big uh, statue you're going to see. Don't look into it. Uh, it's bad luck. Of course, so what happens, uh, you look into it and all hell breaks loose. So instead of going down the path of like, this is a nice temple tour, you go down the dark, creepy path where like all hell breaks loose. Mm -hmm. And it's just yeah. a really fun adventure ride. It got the Williams music going. Uh, it's just awesome. And it, of course, ends with the iconic uh, bowler rolling right towards you. You have Indiana Jones, you know, hanging there. And he's like, back up, back up. And then like, you know, the boulder's coming at you. It's such a cool ride. It's my favorite. And they just, a couple of years ago, I want to say maybe, maybe like three years ago, they did a huge touch-up to it at California. And they added oh, yeah? some digital elements. So oh, it still has cool. a lot of the rustic design, but like the actual uh, big idol that you drive up to on the ramp before you kind of turn left, uh, the whole face would digitally turn into some creepy, like demonic, like, you know, you looked into my eye. It's like they added some really cool elements. And so it's been a, a pretty awesome ride. 
minus the fact that that ride uh, breaks down all the time. Uh, that's only that's a bit of a annoyance. But have you ever been to? I don't know. If, uh, might have been the last time you were there. But have you been to Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar in a? Uh, Disney Springs down in uh, Walt Disney World. No, I did not get that. I hadn't been. It's actually. a it's a loosely based Indiana Jones bar restaurant. Okay. Um, it does. I mean, it has, there's nothing on it that would actually be like you know get the indie whip. You know, it's not like <laughs> one of those. But there's actually things that are decorated everywhere that obviously hint towards Indiana Jones. Uh, and then of course there was the great movie ride, uh, R.I.P. That had the um, oh yeah, I know, just I I, I love that. that. I was gonna mention yeah. that. I just remember like you go through that scene, and then the one scene where the um, you know the tour guides acting like do not touch that uh, little gem, and of course uh, they do. So it was it, it was again the immersive experiences they did. It was so great, and of course I do have my Indiana Jones hat uh, sitting at home that I got. Of course, when I first got it as a kid. My grandmother got it for me. It was a leather hat. I was like, that's not the correct one. It would take me years later to get the actual <laughs> more realistic fedora. Uh, but of course, I don't wear it normally. But I like to bring those back in fashion. Anyway, uh, fun fact. <laughs> well, even right there, you think about the amount of people that have, uh, uh, you know, cosplayed as Indiana Jones characters. You know, it's a very famous look, uh, you know, a very famous and popular Halloween get up, uh, you know, a lot of those characters. And I think something that will stay that way for a long time. I mean, there, you know, it's a very unique looking fedora that you don't see in a lot of movies. You know, there's the fedora look and then there's kind of more of the, uh, the like bowler hat kind of look. It's something about the way that the brim looks, the way it's shaped. You, you immediately know, you see a silhouette, you go, it's Indiana Jones. And it's, you you know? got, he's got the leather jacket. He's got the button down shirt and the khakis, shoes that are probably not good for his feet. And of course he's got the bullwhip and, uh, <laughs> You know, his uh, it's just his revolver, too. It's not like he, you know, and sometimes he doesn't have any bullets. Sometimes he doesn't have his whip. So it is funny. Some of these moments um, throughout the story where, you know, I think isn't, is it, isn't it a true story, right? That uh, that scene in Raiders when um, they're in the, the streets and, uh, you know, the bad guys start popping up and the one guy has the two swords and he's like, da, 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 and then Harrison just shoots him. Uh, I think that was an improv moment that he came up with. I think it was because he was really sick. I think, I don't know, he had yes. food poisoning or something like that. So he was like, uh, it was going to be this epic fight. but And then he was like, I just can't do it. And he's like, why don't you shoot him? And so it had it for a great, great moments because it was like, uh, you know, he's been fighting all these guys. Like, oh, God, we got this, like, you know, the, who's this guy? Nope, you're done. <laughs> so it's just, and some of the other moments I do remember, like, um, in the last one, Last Crusade, where he's got the one gun and he has like five Nazis lined up and he just takes one shot and takes them all out. I'm like, all right, yep. well, that was easy. So yeah, it's it's just so great to look back at all these films and and just what this franchise has done. I mean, from TV shows to, you know, our great love of the theme park attractions to the books and, you know, the video games. Um, it's just something about this franchise that is so, so fun because you get, it's, you know, set in a time period that, you know, it could happen. I think, you know, I remember inspiring me as a kid. Like at one point I was like, I want to be an archaeologist. Of course, I wasn't going to have these adventures like him. But at one point <laughs> I thought, you know, uh, you know, in the 19. 19- well, I think you said, right, like, for example, you know, when you, you watch movies and you kind of if you can go to a similar location that summer set, you've been to that part of venice right you got to go to that um... yeah i got to go to the converted church uh yeah. so i actually i i've been there so there's some kind of a, a con uh, and then there's i would love to go one day and that's where they is that in petra 
where it's like where they yeah where the um... we'll have to go someday we'll we'll do a podcast from there yeah no just sit uh, outside like oh, we're doing this right here where we're gonna yeah. get the uh <laughs> the cup of christ uh, but... i do want to say though okay kind of wrapping up here mm-hmm. yeah um you know we talked so much about how harrison ford being the face of this franchise uh most likely thinking that the next one will be his last venture do you think in the future if they want to keep this franchise going especially you know like you said there's so many books they can go off of there's still so many things they could do do you think down the line they would recast and have a different indiana jones to do a whole new franchise whether it be you know again now we're looking at things like disney plus where we have uh limited series or you know paramount plus whatever whoever owns indiana jones i guess might be paramount now um you know like what could you think that you know, there was a, there was rumors for a little bit that Chris Pratt was maybe a candidate. You know, yeah. being someone that's also kind of got the the leading man look, can do humor, can yeah, do action. Be- before that, Shia LaBeouf was you know. Well, well there was that there was that scene at the end when you know uh, when Harry, uh, when uh, Indiana and Marion are getting married, and uh, the hat you know blows back and he starts to pick it up, and then Harrison takes and he's like, "I don't think so." You know, he kind of he kind of made it like a not yet junior kind of thing. But it was a lot of people are like, oh, does that mean he's going to be the new Indiana Jones? And it's like, I mean, Shy has had his own issues and problems. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about on our uh, kid, uh, Child Stars uh, in Hollywood episode. But do you ever think that they will recast to continue the franchise? Or do you think that when Harrison takes his final bow, they would be, that, that would close this chapter? I think Spielberg's original intention to make this his kind of, you know, James Bond series. If you look at all these franchises that have occurred over the years, um, from you know, like Ghostbusters and their you know, another series that keep reinventing, there is an opportunity for growth for sure, and I think there will always be a demand for that. It is really tough to see anyone else but Harrison Ford as that character, but with so much material and so many religious artifacts and adventures that they could have, I would, uh, you know, I think. I would be open to the possibility of another series, but I think the demand will be there that maybe not in the next five years, but maybe in the next 10, 15 years, you know, they may revisit this franchise with a new, you know, character or if, and if they do it within that time, maybe Harrison Ford, they do one more where he is more of, um, he's not doing all the adventuring. Maybe it's a little bit of more of the passing of the torch where mm, yeah. he, he has a son or it does not even have to be a son. It could be, you know, someone who kind of picks up the mantle and, you know, you could could have had, you know, just kind of like James Bond, 007 is a title. I mean, Indiana Jones is not his real name. We're going to name the dog Indiana. So, you know, he, it is, it is kind of his alter ego. I mean, because he is just this nerdy professor who just happens to go these, you know, and people always laugh about, you know, Indiana Jones, like what a name. So, yeah, I don't know. What, What do you think? I think one, it depends on how the next movie does, mm-hmm. how it's um, reviewed and how it's you know liked. And hopefully for a lot of people, they're hoping that it'll be uh, a, a more positive step than the fourth film was. And then I think it also has to do with how well um, the next kind of, uh, you know, the era with Uncharted and Tomb Raider continuing movies. I feel like if there's, if there's still a love for the whole idea of the adventurous archeological uh, genre where they get into scrapes with, you know, military groups or Nazis or Russians or whatever it might be. I think if there's a, a new kind of found love for that genre that they would be like, we got to capitalize on this and continue this series. 
And I could see it being like, you know, a, a TV series instead of a, a movie, you know, where they could do a book a season. And because and, it, it really is, there's still so many stories they could do with that character. And yes, it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, Indiana Jones itself. So I'd be curious to see what they would do. Um, but definitely it'd be, it's going to be a hard one to, uh, you know, go after Harrison Ford. I mean, you know, looking at Solo, I think you and I both say that we like that film for what it is. And um, I would like to see more stories with those characters, maybe like as a Disney Plus series or maybe even a Solo 2. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, I think Aldrin did fine for what he was given and what the story was. He clearly was not Harrison Ford good, but it wasn't like I watched that film going, oh God, he's not Harrison Ford. I was like, okay, you know, he was Han Solo at that time. So there's also that, you know, thinking of Indiana Jones, we've had the young Indiana Jones series, but we could have an Indiana Jones in his 20s. We haven't really seen that. We kind of saw Indiana Jones really from like his 30s on. Um, so like, there's still a lot they can do. There's so much potential here with the lore and the characters. So who knows what they're going to do, but we're going to be down for it. We're excited to see this new film next year. Uh, once we get a trailer, you know, it's going to be really exciting to get more news from that. But you know what? Happy 40 years to Indiana Jones from Raiders of the Lost Ark, the initial film 40 years ago, just a few days ago, theatrical release. That's insane. And uh, I'm just wondering, you know, gosh, think of between now and 10 years from now, we hit 50 years. There could be a lot more Indiana Jones than we know that's coming up. So you never know. The adventure will continue. And we are excited to be along for the ride. And I just have to say one thing. If you're a gardener who doesn't really like his job, you probably would say something like, rakes, why did it have to be rakes? Gardening tools, very dangerous. <laughs> you, you hold first. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.